You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Now, we're getting ready to hear scripture, and as Tessa Houghtonlocker gets ready to read it to us, I want to give it a little context. It's found in the book of Ruth. It's a very small book in the Old Testament, four chapters long. And in the story already, there are three women whose lives have been brought together and then now fractured by the death of their husbands. And the actions that occur, the declaration of what they believe the future could be, what they're willing to give their life over to, gives powerful lessons to us today. So I invite you to listen as Tessa shares with us and open up your hearts and your minds so that God might reveal in the deepest part of who we are the message we need to hear today. Tessa, thanks for reading. and Let us hear God's holy word. A reading from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 8 through 18. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tessa, for sharing this beautiful story with us. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, We give you thanks for these stories of scripture that have a life even yet today, thousands of years after they first occurred. And today we ask that that story would become for us a building block of faith, a a pathway for us to understand how we can live out our own faith and make decisions and claim our voice in this time. Bless all who hear this word, bless the words that I offer that they would open up pathways to receive the word that comes from you and you alone. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The story of the book of Ruth is beautiful. It is short. Four chapters. 
if you wanted to sit down and read the book of Ruth, you could read through it very easily in one sitting, not even in one evening. It doesn't take that long. It's a simple story and begins here in chapter one with this focus on Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. Now, Ruth and Orpah are sister-in-laws married to the sons of Naomi. In the drama of this chapter, what has happened is that Naomi's husband has passed away, and so too has her sons, the husband of Ruth and Orpah. Now, not only is this emotionally tragic, it also sets a real crisis in the life of these three women. In the day in which they lived, women's identity and security was found in the men they were married to. When you got married, you moved in as a woman into the house of your husband, which would have meant that Orpah and Ruth were living in the house where Naomi was a matriarch and in charge. But now, with the death of their husbands, these three women found themselves at a crossroads. Naomi, as a widow later in years, would have been in great peril because there is no safety net for her. There might have been no place for her to return to. Perhaps her parents were already passed. She would have been in a very vulnerable situation. Ruth and Orpah, though, could have easily gone back to the families of their origin, back to their homes from whence they came. And in the dialogue you heard in this story, they first declare they want to stay with Naomi, and then... After some more conversation, Orpah chooses to go back home. But Ruth has a different idea. She wants to stay with Naomi. And while Naomi first couldn't understand why she would want to do this, Naomi makes it, or Ruth makes it very clear that her decision is very clear. She says this, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She is extremely clear. In the midst of everything that's happened, in the midst of the transitions of her life, in the midst of the grief in which she is living, Ruth has found her voice. She's very clear. And this decision, obviously, had to have been born out of the relationship she had with Naomi. And while the scripture doesn't detail that for us, it doesn't take much work to assume that she had over the years built up an affection, love, respect, for Naomi, she felt connected to her in a powerful way. And this declaration is the finding of her voice and to proclaim her truth. Recognize she's also willing to make this declaration and become one who became part of Naomi's people. She wasn't of Naomi's people. Her God wasn't Naomi's God, but now she's willing to lean in and trust in the God that Naomi believes in, Yahweh. This decision is a powerful one, and it comes with risks. It comes committing herself to a relationship with Naomi and not knowing what the future will bring. Just as Naomi had no safety net, 
Neither did Ruth when she gave her life to be able to follow this woman. And so they went out together with faith and hope and uncertainty. Now, as the story goes on, we discover fairly quickly that it all ends well. Spoiler alert, she meets Boaz, who she does eventually marry, and they have children. And we discover that those children become part of the lineage that leads to Jesus Christ. Uh, Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Her action here allows that lineage to continue. She becomes a player in God's unfolding salvation story. Ruth didn't know that when she made her declaration. She couldn't have known that. She didn't know that these many years later we would still be telling her story. Because she leaned in out of love into a relationship that she could trust, God was at work there. Finding our voice, knowing what we believe and declaring it, is a very important thing for all of us to figure out and not always easy to do. In the movie that we've watched this past week, The Hate You Give, we find the story of a young girl, star, uh, high school student, African-American, lives in an impoverished African-American community, but is sent to an affluent white high school along with her two brothers by their parents. Now that decision is made simply so the parents could try to provide the best opportunity for their children to have prosperity and success and hope. However, it creates a crisis for a star. When she's at home, when she's in the neighborhood with her friends, African-American, she's very comfortable there. She knows how to relate there, talk there, be there. It's home. When she goes to the white high school, she has to transition. She has to act in a way that allows her to fit in there. And she's very good at it. She understands the nuances of what to say and not to say so she can move beyond some one-dimensional understanding of who she is and be able to be welcomed fully in that environment. And she navigates those two worlds until there's a crisis. And once that crisis occurs, she discovers the two worlds in which she lives sees things radically differently. They talk about things differently. Their perspectives are different. About the crisis that occurs, they understand them from very different perspectives. And Star is struggling. What's her voice? Who are her people? What can she say and do in the midst of the situation? And watching her journey is an education for us all. Now, I know that for many of you, it likely was a difficult time watching this movie. It was a challenging time because it exposed us to see the world from a vantage point different than our own. It helped us to understand how an African-American community would see differently than a white community, how an impoverished community would see things differently than an affluent community on issues that are very much in the headlines today, on issues of race, on issues of social disobedience, on issues of social injustice, on issues of uh, uh, Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter, and all the issues, and quite frankly, issues that we're not always comfortable with. And this movie at times made us uncomfortable. Can I own that for myself and maybe own it for some of you? And that's why watching this movie is so important. 
It's cinema, I get it. It's a movie, I get it. But what it did is allow us to begin to reflect on the challenge we have of finding our voice in the midst of the hard issues that are around us today. That challenge is an honest and good challenge for us to take on. Because in this world right now, it seems to me we have found ways to go into our enclaves of security, of hanging out in places where people think alike, talk alike. And not only that, but whereas we hide in our enclaves, we become further separated from each other. And as we are separated from each other, we begin to talk about each other, not with each other. In fact, the chasms are so great, we may not feel like there is any real opportunity to talk to each other. And we feel constricted because those relationships don't exist with others. So how can we begin to have clear dialogue with each other on these matters? Simply stated, how can an affluent white community like Clarkston have real honest dialogue with people who are not a part of the culture of what is systemically what we call white affluent Clarkston? The struggle, of course, is that as we stay in the enclaves, we begin to not only not understand each other anymore, we begin to misunderstand each other. We begin to cast our own attitudes and judgments born out of our own reality and say, well, what you're saying is not right. What you're saying is not true. How you're acting doesn't make sense. But the truth is, the other's reality is their reality, is their truth. These two truths stand next to each other. There are multiple truths in the world. And the only way to come to an understanding of what is universally true, how we can begin to accept and come and connect with each other, is when we are able to start talking to each other and find commonality and affirm and respect the differences. This is a challenge for us in the world. It's a challenge for the church. And the story of Ruth is a challenge for us to find our voice in the midst of a complicated situation. And it leads exactly to what the gospel guides us to. As you read and learn about the life of Jesus Christ, his witness, his teaching, his commandment, that we shall love one another as we have also been loved, is it calling for us to recognize, to find, that our calling is to find the commonality, to build bridges and not barriers between ourselves. And that requires a willingness to have hard conversations. This is why in the gospel, sometimes Jesus comes across in ways which don't feel comfortable to us. He seems a little harsh. He seems a little pushy. And he is because there are issues in the world that are too complex for us to be simplistically talking about. And there are issues in the world worth talking about even though they're hard. And yet, Jesus' example is while we have those hard conversations, he continued to offer an invitation to all still to come together and sit, to be together, to engage with each other, and to broaden the size of the table where people could gather together such that he could sit down on his last night, gather together with people who did not fully understand what was going on, even those who were diametrically opposed to what he was doing, even those who would betray him. And he welcomed everyone at the table with the hope and possibility that there they could find commonality greater than their differences. That commonality 
for us a belief in Jesus Christ. Not only a belief about him, but a commitment to live like him, to be willing to have hard conversations, to be willing to be stretched, to willing to let go of the certainty that we have about what we believe, to become humble enough to listen to the stories of others, to engage. Now, the struggle, as we talked with several folks this past week and the calls that we had about this movie, the struggle is that there's no great form to have those conversations. And that's a challenge. And that's perhaps a role the church can play to continually open up doors. And so I am blessed in my life to have a number of beyond face value, good friends whom I have deep relationship with who are African-American, where we can talk about issues of race, but quite frankly, spend more time talking about issues like I do with all my friends about family and things that frustrate us in the world and sports and whatever you talk about friends with. But I know not everybody has that. And I know of my generation, the truth is my children have far more diverse friendships in their life. Colleagues, friends that they can talk with who are of different races, different cultures, speak different languages even. And while we may be struggling sometimes to find venues where we can have conversations with others, the truth is, while that may be a struggle on race, it's not an issue to find people who disagree with us on issues of things like what we believe in the church, what we believe politically, except even there, we're cautious, aren't we? And yet Jesus invites us to understand the commonality that we have in our faith should be the ground upon which we stand to be willing to have the conversations of things that are important, yes, but never more important than the affirmation of who Jesus is and how we are called to live like him, which means even if you disagree with me, and even if we cannot get to a place where we're going to agree, that I'm going to make the commitment personally, and I'm going to ask you to make the commitment that even in our disagreement, our character reflects the love, mercy, compassion of Jesus Christ. What concerns me the most is not the fact that people sometimes get locked in what they believe, but rather that their character gets frozen and twisted so that as they profess what they believe, they can't help but speaking disrespect and hate upon others. And yet isn't it Jesus who teaches us that we are called to love each other to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that includes those who disagree with us. In a world where people think finding their voice means standing up and just screaming at each other, condemning each other, from Ruth all the way through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's holy word invites us to live another way. To like the movie, Struggle and embrace the struggle to find our own authentic voice, knowing that at any point in our life, while we may get to a place where we think we've arrived at what we believe, we remain open to having more revealed to us. As the movie continued, Star sought to find her voice. She found it, and then after that, she found it again. 
You watch other characters in this movie adapt and change and grow. Her father had a radical transformation over and over again in his life, actually, to begin to step up to be the man who took care of his family and then a man who could even have his eyes opened by the end of the movie to new possibilities. It is that openness to new possibilities, the understanding that we need to claim our voice but never lose our faith. I think is the powerful gift that this movie gives to us. It is the message, more importantly, of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the story of Ruth. She said yes to marrying her husband. That tragedy occurred when he died, when his brother died, when their father died, and three widows were left together, and they had choices to make, and she had to find her voice again. I will go with you. Your people will be my people, she said. And she followed. And in a way which she couldn't fully understand in the moment, she was following the pathway that God was leading her to, to a place where she would be a part of the fulfillment of God's gift to the world, making it possible centuries later that Jesus Christ would be born of the lineage of the King of David. Now, I don't know what God has planned for you and for me, but here's what I do know. When we seek to find our voice and allow our voice never to abandon the character of who Jesus Christ is, we create possibilities. We create opportunities that we can't see on our own. We create even possibilities that the voice and belief we have today may adapt and grow yet again. And that as it continues to grow, we may in fact build bridges and create a stronger community of the church where disagreement is not nearly as critical as the expression to the world that when people say of us, you know, they don't always agree on everything, but their character remains consistent about reflecting the love of Christ. And in this country right now, can we as a church offer a place where folks who are in such discord can come together in the harmony of Christ and strengthen not only the church, but the community and, yes, our country. It's what I hope for. It's what I yearn for. It's what I believe the calling of the church is to do. And so I invite you to continue your quest to find your voice. And once you find it, speak it. It is a gift that you give to the broader conversation, but only do so. If when speaking your truth, you are also willing in what you say and what you do for people to see that you are a child of the living Lord who offers hope, who offers grace, who stands firm, who holds people accountable, but leaves judgment and harshness and condemnation to a higher power. When we got married, Laura and I used this Ruth passage in our service. We declared really to each other by the selection of that scripture that when we got married, her people would be my people and my people would be hers. It's a simple illustration. But over the years, we've had a much deeper understanding of what that means. 
And today, as we stand together, as we worship together, it is my prayer that we are willing to not talk about those people, but rather engage in grace with others so that we would all become one people. Different in thought, sure. Vote differently, fine. Pray the same, serve the world the same, love each other in the name of Christ unconditionally. This is the calling of the church. It's the calling of God's word to us all. So find your voice. Know what you believe. And then offer that as a gift, not as a sword. Offer it as an invitation with curiosity to find out what others believe and be open to the power of the Holy Spirit. That each one of us might continue to grow in wisdom, in knowledge, that as years unfold, we will not define ourselves by a voice we had 20 years ago, but rather by a relevant word that reflects how God is leading us in a given moment. My voice today is to say this to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, let us endeavor to be a faith community where people can talk freely about what they believe, but more importantly, believe by the way in which they live and treat each other. This is our calling and the invitation to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.